you've got mail. Hello and welcome back to the No Sevens Podcast. No, I don't know if you have mail or not, but today we are discussing You've Got Mail, the 1998 film starring Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, and Greg Kinnear. Also Dave Chappelle. Um, Tom Hanks and Dave Chappelle are the only two that I knew from this movie, so... That's what we're talking about today. We've got, of course, we got David and Silas, as always, another rom-com for you guys today, and we're very, well, I'm very excited. I don't know about you guys. I'm majorly excited. Yeah, David okay. has some has some major I, things to talk I'm about. I'm going to have to, like, work really hard not to, like, monopolize this episode. <laughs> we'll, we'll try and keep you short. Keep, keep you yeah. in. Yeah, keep me keep in. Keep you in check. We'll reel you in. So, I guys. also thought it was. I was very surprised Dave Chappelle was in this. I did not know that. Yeah, which you know, looking back, he was basically like had no character. He was just Dave Chappelle, yeah. basically. You know, he just like every you know every twenty thirty minutes he'd just come in, crack a few jokes, you know, and basically leave. <laughs> and that was that was the extent <laughs> of his performance. But pretty funny. So uh, yeah. I thought that was kind of kind of cool but all right i mean what do you guys think what's some some general thoughts of course no spoilers oh yeah but, we have to uh, over under yeah we gotta do our over under no spoiler reviews uh i guess it'll be over for me i thought it was pretty entertaining interesting just that it was i don't know there are so many period things almost yeah. in this that it's hard to even like you could see this being a movie today but it would be with just updated technology almost yeah I actually, I want to, I'll talk about that maybe later. I don't know that there's going to be a, a good time to talk about that, but I have like a very similar thought to what you just said. So, all right, David, you want to go next? Yeah, I look, I, so as you all know, I am a self-described rom-com aficionado. I Unabashed. Love, I love rom-coms. I love, uh, recently I've really delved into rom-coms as a genre contemplating what makes a rom-com good what are the best rom-coms out there and in my opinion this might be just about the closest mankind has ever come and maybe ever will come to the perfect rom-com wow uh, bold statement yeah there. so Hot hard take hard over for me now rom-coms as a genre do have some limitations and like a rom-com is never necessary like probably not going to win an oscar so i would say relative to like like tom hanks isn't going to be in the oscar you know contention camp the way he was for like Castaway with this movie but in the rom-com genre this movie is iconic i mean it's That's yeah very I, funny because I, I had never now. heard of it until that i'll just stop there for now but it's a hard over for me yeah, yeah. That's well very silas yeah i guess it just shows either how little you are into rom-coms or i i feel like i've definitely heard of this but i don't know if it was the movie or if it was just the catchphrase you've got mail like that might have been the only uh way that I've heard of, of this, but I obviously had never seen it. Uh, but I have a few thoughts. No, no spoilers, of course, but it is going to be an over for me as well. First of all, man, I've never wanted to live in the 90s more than I have, or more than I do after watching that movie. 
Really? They're just yes, man. And and I know this is gonna like because when I say stuff like that, you know, there's also stuff from today that I love. You know, there's certain modern pieces of technology that I think are really great. But then, I mean, watching this movie, everything, and of course, it's obviously oversimplified and it is a movie and all this stuff but everything just seems so much simpler back then like everything you know walk like going to a little craft fair that little kids bookstore like it just and every, nobody like had their head in their phones they're all like you know going to the farmer's market buying stuff and like i know that's not how real life always was but i just it everything seemed simpler people seemed nicer like i don't know there's just a lot of stuff that I was like looking back. I was like, I wish I could have lived back then. Online but, was still two words. Yeah, <laughs> you had to. You couldn't talk on the telephone while you're on the internet. I mean, this was amazing. You know, it was so much easier to be a serial killer. Right. I mean, it was just uh, the no. rooftop murderer. <laughs> you know, there's obviously there's there's pros and cons, but I I love that aspect of it just in general. But then the other thing, David, I kind of owe you an apology because for years I've given you a hard time about enjoying rom-coms as much as you do. And I'm not going to step out and say that I'm a rom-com aficionado. But the couple that we've watched for this podcast, I've enjoyed way more than I thought I would. And Mm -hmm. I will openly admit that they're pretty good. Like, they they get me in a good mood. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just because I'm... Ah, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm in a similar situation, uh, but it's just they're they're good, and I like this one. It's going to be an over. Um, I yeah, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> that was like the longest like non spoiler review I think we've ever done. Well, like, most of it was like a tangent. You know, had nothing to do with the movie. But dude, I tell you what, I, maybe it's just nostalgia. I don't know. I just it was. A fun movie. I really liked it. All right. Should we get into our spoilers? Spoilers. In three, two, one. Joe Fox is NY152. That's not really a spoiler. The rooftop killer. Yeah. There's not really any spoilers like in this movie, I guess. I guess you basically like. She murders Joe. Yeah. And takes over his business. Uh, that I, would be funny. I don't even know. There's so many things about this movie that I want to talk about. I was I've seen this movie multiple times, uh, and I watched this again. I'm glad that I had seen this multiple times because I I watched it in chunks, like which I normally don't do. But as I was watching it, I was just like, I this movie is so good. It is such a good manifestation of what a rom-com should be, could be, can be. I mean... In what ways, David? Where do you want to start with this? It's got a little where, bit of rom, a little bit of calm. It's where, perfect. Where, <laughs> You'll where love I, it. Okay, where do I want to... <laughs> here's, okay, here is one thing, and this kind of ties back to what, Caleb, you were talking about, and I'm interested, I'm curious what you guys think about. But this movie is right there in, in the sweet spot of the perfect rom-com era like turn of the turn of the century like like late 90s early 2000s in my opinion is the prime era prime setting for a rom-com after 
you know, like late 2000s, like you still have some good rom-coms, but they just don't have that same like special flavor. Earlier than the earlier than like the the late 90s, like like 95 and earlier, same thing. Like they're a little bit too early to have that. But there's some there's just like a this certain quality about those movies from like 95 to like the late 2000s. It's like it's a visual quality to like the way that the movie looks like it's a very there's like a very unique thing about the way the movie looks and the texture of the image. The setting is like very is like perfect. Yeah. Like kind of what you were talking about, Caleb, of like it's this time period where like technology is still it's there and it's prevalent and growing, but it hasn't gotten to the point of where like really taking over like people's lives in the way that it it has i think which i thought was really interesting because the beginning of the movie is greg kinnear's character who i love i think he's like a brilliant and hilarious character who is who is that uh her original boyfriend frank navasky who is this like like sort of like oxymoronic like technophobe and i think that is that's it's even funnier watching this in 2021 because he's like concerned about the internet. Agreed. It's like, bro, the internet can't even do anything yet. <laughs> like no. he, I think he becomes the Unabomber. I think her. Boyfriend <laughs> is. Oh so, man, David, uh, I can yeah, tell, man, you're like, you can't even express it. I can just see it on your face. He's gushing you all. This, Cause obviously you can't <laughs> see him. So, but, Oh, man. I get what you're saying with, like, the texture of it and stuff, David, because it was definitely still shot on film. And, like, even, like, photographers, like, kind of geek out and gush over the the texture of, like, still photos on film versus, like, digital now. So I definitely identify with that. I could see what you're talking about, too. Yeah. I don't know, Caleb, if you have any thoughts you want to add on to that. I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. I could follow that. And, um but yeah, I just, I guess maybe for me, like I, I didn't grow up watching a ton of movies all. And most of my movie experience has been kind of, I guess you would consider modern, which are all very like, it's either like superhero or action, you know, just kind of generic action or something. I feel like all the movies I normally watch are all kind of the same thing. And this, and some of the movies from this time period, are just very refreshing when I watch them because it's it's not necessarily like an, an original idea, you know, because there's tons of romantic comedies out there and it all, you know, is a love story at the very at the very uh, base of it. But it just, it seems more original. There's just a different storyline than you, than I'm used to seeing. So for me, that really hits on a, you know, a deeper level for me. And it's just like, I don't know. It makes it more enjoyable. It just gives me something new and fresh to watch, even though these movies are like 25 years old. Yeah. I think kind of along with like the, the time period that it was made, like I think the time period in which it is set is also important. Like, like late nineties, early two thousands, New York city is like, I think maybe the best rom-com setting. Like I feel like there are so many movies that have been done like that are rom-coms that take place in New York city. And it's just kind of like, it's like, it's the place for that type of a story. 
which I've never Even, actually like, been. Shows like <laughs> you talk about shows set in New York City. There's yeah. so many, and from like this time period too. I feel like yeah, Seinfeld, Friends. I mean, that was that was the place this, to be. Is this too early for How I Met Your Mother? Probably. Um, yeah, How I Met Your Mother was like early, started in like early 2000, like 2005, yeah. maybe. That's what I thought. Maybe a few, like How I Met Your Mother started like around when Friends was ending, I think. Okay. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. I think that is part of it. But Caleb, and I think maybe you also mentioned something about the stylist. You guys both mentioned that you felt like this movie could have been done very similarly today, but with different technology. I mean, I just think it would be super interesting. What would it be like? Somebody airdropped you something? <laughs> yeah, there's very few. There's like very few like anonymous. I well, I guess you could be and you can remain anonymous or, on Omegle. any. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you message somebody on Omegle and like develop that kind of relationship. Uh, did you have more Silas on that front? Um, I don't know. It it would it would probably be a little more creepy um today yeah yeah i feel like and also it was just a little creepy in general i'll throw that out there at least to me um at least i thought it was at least and we'll probably have to touch on this later too but it seemed a little cruel almost of him to just go along trying to like befriend her while instead of just being honest and coming out with that he is the person she's like emailing with really interesting i think yeah i think uh i definitely think we need to talk about joe fox as a problematic character and how that impacts the narrative because i do think he is a problematic character but i also think that is a very important part of this movie true so. true but i mean technology wise going back to that i think it would it, it's the whole world is different it's so different now but you think about it it wasn't that long ago like what 30 years ago not even 20, yeah. 30. 20 so i mean like right. we were alive when this movie came out yeah barely we but it's just <laughs> baby it's it's wild like how much has changed in 25 years or so yeah like for me what i thought of and i was trying to relate it to uh modern day situations and what i thought of was like this is almost the opposite and not of like how everyone dates, but I thought this is almost the opposite of how we date today because I feel like at least a lot of us, first we might get to know a person either in friend group, like within our friend group or whatever, or like, you know, you, you kind of get to know them and then you hit them up on social media and like you start Snapchatting and like, it's like the opposite of what they did. You know, first they're, mm -hmm. they're instant, they're like emailing and instant messaging in and a way, they though, they kind of did that. Like they were, they were both in relationships when they started talking. Yeah, that's which true. is kind of problematic in and of itself, but still. Yeah, but it was you know I just thought it hasn't changed that much. You know the way that people try to communicate and get to know somebody. Like yeah, so that was fun, and interesting to see. Um, what did you think about? Well, I guess we can talk a little bit about uh, the acting. Start. Let's start with. Um, actually, let's start with Greg Kinnear's character. I'm I'm less interested in, in Greg Kinnear's performance than I am in Frank Navasky as a character. Because uh, maybe maybe outside of 
like the two leads, like I think he's my favorite character in this movie, followed closely by Steve Zahn, just because he's Steve Zahn. I don't know who Steve Zahn is. Steve Zahn was the guy who was working at the bookstore. Oh, right. I, kind of the <laughs> To me it's like loved, a stoner. I loved his line guy. where they asked him like about like if he if he where they were like, Are you online? And he was like, As far as I'm concerned, the internet is just another way of being rejected. By <laughs> <a woman." laughs> hmm. Hmm. Uh, Actually, David, it's funny because he there were moments in which he reminded me a lot of you. I mean, that's why I like him. I, I feel like I yeah. maybe I feel like I can relate to him. He had some <laughs> snappy little lines. Yeah. Yeah. I also this is a complete sidebar, but Steve Zahn is also in the movie Sahara and is not the lead in Sahara. Uh, Matthew McConaughey is the lead in Sahara. Um, Steve Zahn is like his sidekick basically, but in the movie Sahara, his character like in the story, like pretty much like legitimately like saves everybody and like it isn't really addressed in the narrative. Like it's just kind of like his sidekick job is to like actually solve all the problems that are in the story. <laughs> so ever since I watched that movie, I'm like, you know what? Steve Zahn does not get the credit he deserves. So, so you'll give him it in this movie. Yeah. So ever since then, like Steve Zahn has anytime I see him, which isn't that often, like he's like my boy. Um, Oh, he's a weird character. Uh, her boyfriend, her first boyfriend. Yeah, Frank. I don't even. I don't know his last name, but Frank Navasky. Navasky. I mean, I didn't like. I thought he was funny, but it, it wasn't. I guess to me, a, a notable enough for me to like make specific or have specific thoughts on it. I just looked at him as another character. You know, her her boyfriend. He was funny, and like there were some. I guess he had plenty of screen time, but I don't. I don't have profound uh, opinions or anything like that. I guess the interesting part about him is just the dynamic of their relationship. Cause I think when they were breaking up, they said something or he said something like, Oh, we're perfect for, we should have been perfect for each other or something. Yeah. What he says, because is... she's a, a physical bookstore owner and she's like the underdog being run out by the new up and coming like thing. Mm. And he's super against technology and he's a writer. So like yeah on paper they should have worked just perfectly um, right but you see all along i mean even he's like flirting with every single person that comes by <laughs> it's like clearly he is not like attached to her right and he's not very the scene the scene where he's on tv i think it's so funny <laughs> but i also like i just think he's well, i need to come back to that scene but like i think he's so funny partially yeah like what you're talking about and i think it's very important that they're not they're not actually very good together like mm -hmm. they like each other but they're not really they don't have a very deep relationship yeah um and he's pretty self-absorbed and very sort of like hypocritical in his like idealism of like like he is very staunch in his ideals but like anytime like he kind of like gets attention or like anything like that he's like is immediately willing to like compromise <laughs> like his ideals um i think it's funny that he's like the first like mechanical keyboard enthusiast i feel like with his like little typewriter yeah he's like it's a report <laughs> like a gunshot <laughs> <laughs> uh but i think the scene where they're watching him on tv is so funny because he begins like like waxing poetic on like the perils of technology and like he's 
is he's watching himself on TV as he's on talking TV. about the like the the problems of TV. And it's and, on what VCR or Yeah, and he's like Let's whatever take the VCR for example and how problematic that is. And as he's right as he's saying that he says to Kathleen he's like are you taping this? <laughs> like <laughs> Oh, it was it's so good. It's the dialogue in this movie is so good in a lot of ways so i love his character because i just think he's hilarious and clever and even funnier watching this in like the 2020s definitely because of how far technology has come well and even today people who are talking about like the woes of technology everybody is linked in in some way to technology so Mm -hmm. like it only gets worse sorry sorry (laughs) frank Frank. <laughs> I don't remember his name. That's okay. Yeah. He's, uh, his name isn't very important. Yeah. It's okay. David has, has watched it plenty of times, had plenty of yeah. uh, <laughs> opportunity to analyze and um, and that kind of thing. So I, I liked him a lot. I mean, I thought he was funny, and, and all those points you guys talked about were spot on. Um, and the, the same could be said for the, for, uh, the girlfriend, Joe's girlfriend. You know, it's just like, she was definitely, it was a different dynamic in the relationship, but, you know, not good for each other. She was self-absorbed, always wanted to, you know, yeah. talk business or whatever. So, uh, but Frank was definitely funnier. Yeah. Right, she's a very interesting character because she's like, she likes things that are obtuse and says that multiple times in the movie. She'll like gush about like, like things that are obtuse. And she is so like, like literally obtuse like anytime she's interacting with somebody like she cannot read the room like she's only focused on the very literal thing that she's focused on like and isn't paying attention to like anything deeper or like anything abstract that anybody else is talking about she like (laughs) like (laughs) the guy was like like the scene where like i think kathleen kelly is like how do you sleep at night (laughs) and then patricia walks up and she's like ultra dorm like you can get yeah. it over the counter like take half a pill and you still wake up feeling like, like a little hangover or something like that yeah um but what did you guys think about the dynamic between tom hanks and meg ryan this is not the only movie that they have done together but i thought I mean, it was good um yeah they kind of bounce off each other nicely with little comebacks and then even when they're like almost talking back and forth but through email like the dialogue feels really nice and it's interesting to watch them kind of grow um like both like simultaneously as well yeah i was gonna say over email i think i mean they're perfect for each other but then it's even better when they get in real life because it's like we've all met those people where you want you like try not to like them but you're so maybe you're so similar to them or your sense of humor is like very close to where even when they're like kind of mad at each other, they're still like getting those jabs in, but like you can tell that they both kind of appreciate it. You know, like uh, with the caviar thing, you know, she's like, are you seriously taking that caviar? It's a garnish. And he's like, oh yeah. And he like takes all the rest of it. <laughs> and like, you can see in her face, she's not really mad. She thinks that's kind of funny, but like she wants to be mad about it. You know, it's that kind of dynamic, which I think is perfect for, you know, for the movie and also this relationship, I think you have to have a certain, a certain amount of that in a relationship because 
I think neither neither person takes themselves too seriously or like is worried about offending the other person when you can have that kind of uh, not really it's not hateful but just like that little teasing and that kind of thing. So at least for me, that I thought it was it was great. I really like the dynamic between them as well. <laughs> I don't have a lot to say about it. I mean, I think they're. David just Definitely. wanted to talk about Frank tonight, and that was pretty much. <laughs> I, honestly, I think Frank Navasky is such a good character. Uh, like, it's also kind of interesting because Greg Kinnear is like somebody who can like, especially at this time, like I feel like was able to like hold down his own like leading man roles in a rom com. So it's interesting to see him like as not a main character, uh, but. Pst- <laughs> Yeah, I really like Frank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, boy. Okay. What's next, David, on your little... I know you've probably got plenty of notes. Um, what did you guys think, I guess, about the like the the use of humor and dialogue in the movie? I don't think it would be a very good rom-com if it wasn't funny. So, <laughs> I thought it did a good job of doing what it was trying to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, which is to... to it is hard, not always, it doesn't always happen, like, <laughs> clearly. Right. Uh, from some of the movies we've done. So, yeah. It's not a given, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I thought, I, I kind of hit on it just a second ago. I really, uh, I really liked this sense of humor and the style and everything. There were clever jokes. It wasn't, like, super cheesy at any moment. Um, so, I think it was very realistic, very relatable style of, of humor and so I, I really liked it i laughed i did appreciate several parts. like like you said i did appreciate that it wasn't like over the top in any aspect because i think rom-coms mm. that's easy territory to slip into yeah oh yeah yeah that was one of the things that i i think thinking about this now like the humor in this movie is very like subtle and pretty clever like um and there's a lot of like irony in the movie um that's either used for humor or just for like a narrative purpose. Like the scene where like she's telling him about her business problems and he's like giving her this business advice and he's like, fight, fight to the death, go to the mattresses. And of course, like he's telling her to do that to him. And so like, she ends up like doing all these protests and stuff and like basically like causing him a bunch of problems because he told her that that was what she should do. So like there's a lot of irony in the movie. I think a lot of like just like clever humor and clever dialogue and like Frank Navasky. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, I mean Frank the more, is the star of the show so far. The more I think about Frank Navasky, the more I like love Frank Navasky's character. I thought oh. uh if, I mean if we're gonna start talking about, you know, uh side characters, the dad, like Joe's dad and grandpa I thought were pretty funny. Especially the grandpa. Man, that grandpa, dude, I was like, man, I want him to be my grandpa. He just seems mm. so nice and like, kind of like, it's almost like the romanticism like skipped a generation. It, like the grandpa seemed to have it with those letters he was talking about. The dad did not have it at all. And then Joe got a touch of it, but Joe also got a touch of his dad because he was like, sort of not being the best guy. Um, overall i mean in the end i think his grandpa shone through but um yeah i thought those two characters are kind of funny and that that sort of subplot of like the the young mom like the new wife and the young kids that was that was 
I thought really good little addition. So, um, what did you guys think? Let's talk about Joe and Kathleen as characters. Like, do you, I think we we already touched a little bit on Joe being problematic. Do you find him to be a problematic character? Do you find Kathleen to be a problematic character? If so, in what ways? How do you feel like that affects the movie? I thought Joe was more problematic than Kathleen just because once, I mean, I don't know exactly the moment he realized or like the light bulb went off for him that Kathleen was that girl. I'm assuming it was, you know, the coffee shop was the first true indication, but like he should have been more honest with her. Kathleen also was problematic because I think she should have picked up on it like, eons before she actually did and and that wouldn't have maybe that wouldn't have made for as good of a movie but i'm like all right he got to the point where i was like come on i mean how much more can he say without just saying it and maybe he should have just said it but he was dropping every hint possible and she's like oh i just can't wait for him and like come on dude he's right in front of you but that was her go ahead you mean like when she's sick or in the, uh, in no, the, I mean, even the coffee, the coffee shop. shop. Like, the coffee shop, he said plenty of stuff that she should have picked up on. Uh, and then, you know, her being sick, probably. I thought at that moment, I really did think that she finally got it. It seemed like she did. But then the whole, like, friendship, like, bumping into each other. Which, by the way, I think that was such an awesome pickup. Not, not even a pickup line. But she's like, wow, we just keep bumping into each other. He's like, well, what do you say we bumping each other on Saturday, you know, around lunchtime. <laughs> Dude, that was like smooth as silk. I was like, I I mean, I'm not going to probably ever have an opportunity to use that, but that was primo right there <laughs> as far as like that, just that line. I thought it was really good. You would have to really like set it up. Like you'd have to physically bump into a girl multiple times until she said that. <laughs> then, yeah. Or you'd have to say it yourself and then be like, <laughs> which doesn't have the same impact. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like, oh, we just keep bumping into each other. Yeah. You want to bump into it? <laughs> right. The girl would probably be like, dude, stop bumping into me. I'm like, I'm like, well, what do you say we bump into each other? And then they like would fall flat. So yeah, it was very specific, which I don't, you know, I don't think I would ever be able to pull it off but i mean tom did or joe did and he did it really well i think uh joe fox's character is more problematic in like apparent ways because he's the one who finds out first and like makes the choices he does Mm. i guess we don't really get to find out if she's problematic in terms of like their relationship but I mean, for the most part, she seems like she's just trying to do her best uh, to keep her business afloat and, like, do right by the guy she's dating. Because, like, she doesn't really meet up with him ever except for once while they're together. So, I don't know. It's it's an interesting dynamic, them two. So, Styles, you feel like it's problematic that he doesn't reveal to her? Yeah, it's definitely like dishonest like it would be it would have been a cuter movie to me if they both if they had just become friends and not realized until like they both realized or once or one revealed it when they realized because it kind of makes it seem like he has ulterior motives and is just i don't know working to get what he wants Mm, okay um, with while withholding information yeah i agree silas i feel like 
I mean, you make a valid point, and I think that like his, I guess, methodology is a little bit problematic. But I think it's very important that he is problem. Uh, yeah, I, because, would, I would say so because it's important that he is not like quote unquote the right person for her, uh, which goes back to my beef with the other movie that has both Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan in it and it's also directed by the same director and was made a few years before this Sleepless in Seattle which I think <laughs> Sleepless in Seattle is awful compared to the like okay Sleepless in Seattle does have some of the same things that are good about this movie like very good and clever funny dialogue but as a rom-com the story arc I cannot stand Sleepless in Seattle sometimes I watch Sleepless in Seattle like I watched Sleepless in Seattle last year thinking maybe this is better than I remember it being. And I was like, no, this is worse than I remember it being. And, <laughs> and so guess now what? I think he was sleepless that night. Have you seen Sleepless in Seattle? No. no. Okay. <laughs> I haven't either. You guys should both watch <laughs> Sleepless in Seattle now just so that you can appreciate how good this movie is. Because half of my, half of the reason I love this movie so much, not half, but like part of the reason I move, love this movie so much is because Sleepless in Seattle is such... So Sleepless in Seattle is about um, basic... I don't want to spoil it. So basically what happens is Tom Hanks is uh, happily married with a son and then his wife dies. So he and his son move to Seattle in order to like kind of get away from the old memories and kind of start fresh. Oh, I started this movie and never finished it. Yeah, and so one... And like his son is like concerned about him so he like calls in and like his dad ends up like on this like national radio, like psychology hotline thing. Right. And Meg Ryan's character who is engaged, hears Tom Hanks talking on the radio and becomes like obsessed with this guy and like basically becomes convinced that like he's the one that she needs to be with, not her fiance. And I can't stand this movie so much because her fiance is a great guy. And, is right for her in so many ways and all the ways that she he actually is right for her she picks up on those and, and like characterizes those as the relationship being boring and basically leaves him to go be with tom hanks Thanks. and i'm spoiling the movie but like the movie yeah. ends <laughs> with, want to with spoil them, it, but spoils the movie it. ends with them meeting so, so the like way. they don't they don't meet no but they they literally do not talk to each other at all until the like last scene of the movie. Uh, that sounds mm. really frustrating. Right? It's not like it's not like this where like they're actually talking to each other and getting to know each other. They just don't know it. And like at the end there's this like big kind of closure reveal. It's like they literally have no interaction with each other at all other than her listening to him on the radio and at one point flying to Seattle to basically stalk him. Like he never speaks to her until the last scene of the movie. And that just grinds my gears. And how is that like contrasted, I guess, for you in this movie? Because in this movie, like, so like, I get what you're saying about Tom or like about Joe Fox, like his methodology being problematic. But I also think I understand why Joe Fox is going about it that way is because he wants her to fall in love with him for who he is, I think, and wants to build a genuine relationship with her and get to know her as well, I think. And one of the things that is about 
about the two of them in their email relationship is that the way that they, the person that they are imagining on the other end of the emails is not the person that they actually are. Like, 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 um, Kathleen's vision of NY152 is not who Tom Hanks, like, is not who Joe Fox is, right? And vice versa. And that's important because at the end of the movie, Kathleen Kelly says, I wanted it to be you. And so basically what happens is she comes to this point where she realizes that she wants to make a choice to love somebody who has hurt her, who has um, made mistakes, somebody who isn't perfect for her and somebody who is like flawed, but she chooses him anyway. And it's built on this process of them having this conflict, like getting to know each other and working through that conflict and him like for all of the like sort of weirdness of like the way he goes about it, what he's trying to do in like getting to know her is he is trying to sort of like change his ways and make up for um, kind of the, the sort of darker version of himself that he has been. And we see that a lot in the earlier part of the movie where he's like, do you ever feel like you're becoming, you've become the worst version of yourself? Mm-hmm. And he expresses a lot of the sort of like, guilt and repentance he feels and is trying to manifest um in his emails and so i agree that he is like problematic in the things that he does and a lot of the ways that he like goes about things but i also think that's important because if he was sort of this like totally like upright and unflawed character then it wouldn't mean anything that she chooses to be with him anyway um I think you might be reading a little, a little much into her, like wanting to choose somebody who's like flawed and like, like loves her anyways. I think, I think she just ended up liking him a lot and loving him. And then she was like, oh, but there's this person who I have in my head as being so perfect, but I really like Joe now. And like, oh, it just worked out perfectly. Like I wanted it to be you, like. I want to love you, but I have this like thing in my head. I have to reconcile with that. Well, I'm not saying like she wants to love a flawed, like she's looking for a flawed person or anything like that. But I think that like she basically comes to a point where she decides that what she wants is not the perfect guy that she believes NY15. Like she believes they're separate entities, right? And so like basically she comes to a point where where the relationships that she has with Joe, in spite of the fact that like he is flawed and has done things that hurt her is more valuable to her than the relationship she has with NY152 um, who like is sort of this like perfect guy in her mind, right? But clearly not though because when Joe is like confessing his love for her, she still went to meet NY152 and then it just turned out to be Joe. Yeah. And I think that's why she says I wanted it to be you because she felt like she, I think she felt like she had gone, she felt like it would be irrational for her to like turn away from like the perfect guy, but like in her heart, that's not like, she doesn't want to do that. I think because she realizes that like she can't be with Joe. I think she also probably at that point, like suspects that they are one and the same. I feel like any real girl who realized you had been keeping something that big from her for like months and months would just be like, why did you tell me so much earlier? Like, 
Yeah. It's so annoyed. Yeah. Yeah, that's valid. I mean, it's a movie. <laughs> I think it's, a, I, I guess my main point is I think it's important that, that Joe Fox is problematic because the, one of the problems with like normal or like the sort of like the stereotypical problem with rom-coms is that they're not realistic enough or don't reflect like the real flaws that people have. And I think like Joe Fox has a lot of flaws and he starts working on resolving them, but like they're not fully resolved by the end of the movie. Although we do see him like trying to move in that direction. I think that's, Mm -hmm. that's, I think that's very important versus like sleepless in Seattle. Like Tom Hanks's character is sort of like, like has no real flaws and her, the person she's with also has no real flaws other than the fact that she is convinced that he's boring Mm. because there's like a lack of character arc development. Yeah. There's like no, yeah. The only person I guess who changes is like Meg Ryan. And the only thing that really changes about her is that she, I mean, breaks off her engagement. (laughs) Yeah. Like part of it is also like Tom Hanks character, like trying to get closure over his wife dying. Um, and like his son trying to deal with his dad getting over that. But I don't know. All right. Well, you just got a bonus episode of sleepless in Seattle as well. Sorry. Thank you. Listeners. (laughs) Didn't even know you had to watch that movie, but here we are. Well, okay. Here's a quote from Nora Ephron. Sleepless is a movie that is a, that's about, is there one perfect person out there for you? This movie, meaning uh, you've got mail is all about, can you fall in love with a person who isn't perfect for you? Or as Delia and I used to say, can you fall in love with a Republican? Uh, ha, ha. I guess she's not, I guess she's not a Republican. I don't know. Which they, that's also a line in the movie. Yeah. It's funny. I think she would have just made Sleepless in Seattle if the technology had been around in 93, maybe. Yeah. It's almost the same. It sounds like almost the same premise. Like For the most part, yeah. yeah. They, it's sort of two sides of the same coin, but this movie explores it in such a better way. Yeah. 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 So don't watch Sleepless in Seattle. Just watch, watch You've Got Mail. Yeah. And I mean, listen watch, to us talk about why. Watch Sleepless in Seattle and then realize how much better this movie is. All right. So I think we've thoroughly discussed, I would say, most of the important things in this movie. David, did you have additional discussion points or questions for us? Um, not, not really. Um, sorry, by the way, about that very long tangent. Uh, I guess I am curious, uh, as non-rom-com enthusiast, how did you feel about this film? Like, did you, did it subvert your expectations of the genre? Did it fulfill your expectations in what way? Uh, it probably exceeded mine. I mean, maybe, or maybe I'm just warming up to the genre, but um, I liked it. You know, I've already kind of set up everything, but I thought uh, Tom, not Tom, but Joe, uh, I thought Joe was charming when he needed to be of course he he did some things that were kind of boneheaded but uh, you know he was kind of charming it was fun you know they were had some nice little romantic uh, experiences even when they weren't necessarily trying to like you know all that little stuff about like going to the park together or like going to um, that farmer's market getting coffee like I don't know that just it just makes me happy like that's just fun stuff to do you know and, it's, and at that point it was all kind of just like genuine friendship stuff but you could obviously we all knew there was a spark it was undeniable i mean who are we kidding so yeah i mean that made it good for me i i, I just maybe i just am, am 
getting soft in my old age, but I just thought it was a nice, fun movie. You know, it's a good little kind of get you in a good mood and um, happy ending, you know, all the way around. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, as a non-rom-com enthusiast, I think my expectations are always pretty low going <laughs> into rom-coms. So this definitely exceeded those. Um, yeah, I mean, like Kayla was saying, it's a fun movie. I think the humor played a big part in that and just the balance of like the character development and those kind of deeper things always make it more interesting for me than just like love. Oh, <laughs> they have to find each other. And all Silas that. doesn't believe in like, love. <laughs> yeah. I like, yeah, it definitely exceeded my expectations. I think we yeah, know how you yeah, feel, I mean, David. I don't know. I like it. <laughs> all right. That, what you just said, Silas is like why sleepless in the <laughs> Also, this movie made me want a... I already wanted a Golden Retriever, but now I want to name my Golden Retriever Brinkley. But just now I thought, maybe I should name it Frank Navasky instead. <laughs> I mean, that so far tonight, that would definitely be a better fit. I mean, you're yeah. enamored with that guy. But you know what they didn't... Why, why did this movie make you want a Golden Retriever? That was such a minor plot point. Well, I already wanted a golden retriever, but then I was like, maybe I should, maybe when I get a golden retriever, I should name it Brinkley after the dog in this movie. And then now I was like, you know, Frank Novaski is actually that's a, a terrible a dog name, though. <laughs> well, I would just call him Frank. <laughs> I know, but like even Frank is like that's such a like I don't know, just Frank? like human name Frank. You know, it's like Brinkley. I think is a a perfect dog name. That's that's really good. I don't know that I've ever yeah. heard that before, but. Um, that's, yeah. We know people who have a dog named Brinkley. Um, we do? Yeah, Chris and Kimberly. Oh. Shout out to Chris and Kimberly. I don't think they listen to this, but. Maybe. I've told I'm them. i sure they have a dog. I've told them about Brinkley. it, so. Um, all right, you guys want to do ratings? Was there any, well, was there anything else that, like, like jumped off the page to you two, specifically, I guess, David, um, that you wanted to talk about? Not really. Um, I feel like I've gushed enough. Oh, I also thought it was funny. Okay, <laughs> this is a minor point. But you know the scene where he's like backspacing? Oh, yes. It took so long. Had yes. they just that? I thought that was really funny, but also had they not just invented like control A? Like, <laughs> I don't know what control what, A does. Was that not oh, man. like to select all? Oh. I mean, it's command A for me because I use a Mac. But Ooh. Ooh. Dude. <laughs> no, I was kidding. Uh, I, probably not if I had to guess. But uh, if he's anything like me, he did not know that that shortcut. So yeah. wait, really? I didn't know that. Right now is the first I've heard of that shortcut. Wow, man, that'll control all, control A. Yeah, that should just select everything. Yeah, select all. Yeah. So, boy, your world is about to get blown <laughs> wide open. That'll change the way you interact with. Change the way uh, you type. <laughs> I I mean I feel like I use that like literally on almost a daily basis like me too. So I I have what do you do? Do you just like drag and select everything you're trying I, to select? I, I, mean, I don't find myself <laughs> selecting like large amounts of data or like, you know, text or anything. Not in my job, but I use like can, you know, cut and paste more often than anything else. So I I But how do you select it? Uh, click on it. <laughs> so archaic. I mean, <laughs> that just blew my mind. 
Frank I can't, I can't imagine. Yeah. I can't imagine the microseconds I've set or I've wasted of my life. So, all right. Well, ratings. Do y'all want to do those now? Yeah. Um, I'll just get mine out of the way. I'm going to give it an eight. Um, I think on the rom-com scale, this is absolutely a 10, but on a like categorical, like all genres movie scale, this is an eight. Definitely isn't in the, the nine zone. I mean, it's a high eight and I'm going to think I'm going to start doing like more buckets Mm. uh, type stuff, but you know, it's in the eights. A moderate Um, to severe eight. eight. Yeah. Like 8.8. I'll say 8.6. Um, (laughs) Like <laughs> that's all for me. All right, I'm gonna go nine. I mean, I thought this was, it was definitely a nine. I I really liked it. I David, I thought for sure you were gonna do nine, so I, I was a little surprised. But that's well, I'm trying to be objective. Okay, fair enough. I, wow. I was gonna do nine from the get go, so that's mine. All right. Um, I have this at a seven. My first seven. Okay. Wow. We're all allowed <laughs> one. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just we we ran the whole gambit here. Yeah. Seven, eight, nine. Um, yeah, for me, I thought it was fun, enjoyable. Um, not really like uh, a below that, not a below seven, but definitely not upper echelon for me. Fair enough. That's... Probably would rewatch with company, but not by myself. Oh yeah. yeah, this is this is a good one I think to watch with like, a, you know, for us a future girlfriend. To try to convince them that we're like charming, like Joe is, charming <laughs> like Joe is, but also not a, a you know, a mean guy. Not problematic. Yeah. So try to filter out the bad parts. But we could just we could comment on that afterwards. So we could be like, I really like this movie, but I do find some of Joe's behavior problematic. Yeah. And then really, <laughs> really impressed with like how thoughtful you are about his behavior. Yeah. And I guess we're all just assuming that they've never heard this podcast or listened to this episode. So. Yeah, and then you can say, I'm glad we bumped into each other. There you go. <laughs> Maybe that's the line that gets it, you know? Uh, but, yeah, wow. I mean, this is getting really deep, so we should pick our next movie. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, first, oh. Tom Hanks collects typewriters like your pal Frank, David. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> really? I, d- I didn't know that, but I didn't make that connection. Uh, there's a lot of, like, trivia in this but um i don't know a lot of it's just about like they're pretty huge meg ryan got her first computer during the filming wow uh and i guess tom hanks and rob renee who is that again that was i don't know who that was you're talking about rob rob reiner yeah uh i don't think he's in the movie um he's like um he does act but i think he mainly does like direction or production like producing oh okay. what about him well it says that they were both like godfather aficionados and would have like viewing parties for people oh so i wonder if he was like a possible i mean i think he was he might have been a producer on castaway um i mean they almost definitely wouldn't know each other i feel like um i guess the cast members actually emailed each other during the filming which seems like a given in this day and age. <laughs> I guess there's a Broadway musical adaptation as well. Oh, wait. Ma- wow. I think in the opening credits, it mentioned something about that. But I think it might be the other way around. Like this movie was um, you're th- adapted from a screenplay. You're, you're, oh. um, it's based, it's or it's derived from Shop Around the Corner, which is a Jimmy Stewart movie, which mm. I have. My mom watched it, and I was there, and I fell asleep. Uh. Um, 
Same concept. He wasn't sleepless in Seattle that night. No. Like, same concept, like, two people who, like, are, like, don't like each other in real life, but they're, like, writing letters to each other, and they're, like, in love, and then eventually, like, one of them figures out what's going on. And So, yeah, basically this movie. Ha-ha. <laughs> um, Kathleen arrives at the park to meet NY152 approximately one hour and 52 minutes into the film. Mm. Oh. That's funny. I get it. <laughs> at first I was like, okay. <laughs> That's about all the trivia. So, what will our next movie be? Uh, well, I don't know. Do you guys have anything that you're interested in? Uh, in I was gonna say Little Women, but I don't think it's on anything. I think we ran. Yeah, yeah, that was the problem last. Mm, do we have that random movie selector still available? Yeah, I was just pulling that up. Okay, um, that might be our best bet. Right. As you guys know, I'm about to watch. Uh, uh, Mortal Kombat, but I'm not expecting us to do that as an episode. Oh, we talked about. I'm sorry, I just. That's fine. We that that's totally fine. We talked about Sonic the Hedgehog last week. Madagascar. I don't know if those are still things y'all want to consider. Sonic, you know, kind of funny stuff. We haven't really done much. We definitely haven't done many animated films. Well, we did Rango. Anyway, yeah, we just did it. Uh, Soul. It just gave us The Shining. <laughs> that's definitely one that needs to be watched on VidAngel because uh, there is some like there is one scene in particular that has some pretty graphic news. So ah. let me see if that is actually on. Um, what about one of these uh, new releases like the Sound of Metal or The Artist or Eternal Sunshine? Oh yeah, uh, um, yeah. Some of those like uh, Sound of Metal is uh, nominated for an Oscar. We can do that. I believe Sound of Metal. Sure. I'm I'm down. All right. Sound of Metal so it is. is that on? I think it's on. I think it might be on Amazon. I think you're right. Yep. Amazon Prime. I think it should be available on Vinny. It seems, maybe I'm just judging people who are into metal music, but it seems like it would be rated R. <laughs> rated R. It is rated R. Two hours. It is on VidAngel. Uh a heavy metal drummer's life is thrown into free fall when he begins to lose his hearing. I've heard this is good. Looks dark. Just from, the cover, just from the cover art. <laughs> uh, man, I wonder if my parents will watch this one with me. They've watched some of the ones I've done in the past. Like when I've watched, like, we had honestly just watched You Got Mail like a couple of weeks ago before I suggested this. So. <laughs> That's funny. All right. That's well, a... sorry, go ahead. Well, Sound of Metal will be our next movie then. All right. We'll be performing the entire uh, podcast in Screamo. Oh, <laughs> sounds good. Get it? So bring your apple juice and throat lozenges. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a wrap, guys. Peace.